thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for being here with us, for braving some of the weather. Um, I know we had a bit of a closure on I-94, so thank you, everybody. Uh, and I just want to greet those that are watching online from just around this area, sometimes even around the state. We've got people that join us from other states. So if you're watching online, would you just write the city and maybe state that you're watching from? If you're watching from another country, I would love to send you a greeting, uh, but I'm not going to attempt any other languages because I embarrass my kids that way. Um, open your Bibles to Mark 14. We're going to start a series today, Mark 14, uh, a series on the culture of blessing, and we are gonna focus on a, a portion of scripture that is actually a story shared in all four gospels. So throughout the month, we're gonna go back to Mark 14, but we're also gonna look at the other presentations in the gospel, four gospels of the story of this amazing woman who shared this vial of perfume that she poured upon Jesus. Also, what you'll see today, you'll see on social media throughout the week and every Sunday is we are kind of interviewing people in our congregation um, about how are you blessed? How do you see blessing? What does it mean for you to develop a culture of blessing? And so you're gonna hear from some of our own people throughout the messages and throughout the week on this issue of blessing. Um, anybody uh, voting for Tampa Bay tonight? Anybody? Tampa Bay Buccaneers? By the way, Super Bowl is tonight. Um, anybody voting for the Chiefs? Anybody celebrating? The Lions have never lost the Super Bowl in their history. Come on. Then we're just going to leave it there. You don't have to say what I know what you want to say, but they've just never lost a Super Bowl, so get over it. We're undefeated, uh, so to speak. Um, I'm excited about I'm excited about tonight, um, but, Lord, but the Lord has really put a, a major excitement inside of me for this series. And today is, exactly, today is all about laying some groundwork for the next three weeks. We're going to lay foundation today for the next three weeks, but I hope it really, no pun intended, I hope it really blesses you. I hope it really challenges your heart today. Mark chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, um, I hope that you bring your Bibles with you. I love my, I love my YouVersion Bible. I use it every day. I love my paper Bible because I get to underline circle and stuff and cross off things I don't like. I'm just kidding, I don't do that. Don't do that. Verse three, while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table. A woman came out with an alabaster flask of anointment, a pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the anointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you whenever you want. You can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And surely, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And we literally today are fulfilling that prophetic word. And so today, if you're writing down a, a title of the series, or sorry, excuse me, title of today, write down the simple words, follow the thread. Follow the thread. We're gonna follow a thread of blessing today and we're gonna link it from Jesus, from the Lord in the beginning, all the way to this place in Mark 14, hopefully all the way into your life. 
Lord Jesus, today is your day. This is your moment, God. I thank you for the sun shining. I thank you, Lord God, that we get to wake up to uh, a canvas this morning that is just... The, the fresh snow, the fresh beauty, just the fresh majesty of your creation. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we get to come together and to celebrate and to sing songs just highlighting your faithfulness and the fact that you're with us at all times. I pray that you would help us to cling to that. Anoint our hearts and minds. Help us to hear from you. Help us to not walk away from this church building or from this broadcast the same way that we clicked on. Somehow, some way. Change us and make us more like you. I pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Um, I don't know if you ever had a teacher that despised you. I've had a couple. I'm what they call an average student. Now, parents would say a C student. I choose to say average. It's all about the vernacular. And honestly, the biggest difference in my life that changed in me from freshman, sophomore, till junior, senior year um, was because I, I really got serious about my faith in Christ. And my faith in Christ transformed the way that I did my homework. In fact, I did my homework. <laughs> uh, I felt like, you know, if I dedicated my life to Christ, in every part of my life, I needed to honor God. And I was sick of going to my youth pastor saying, would you pray over this exam? And he would pray these words, Lord, bring to mind everything Dave has studied and been faithful to. I'm like, I hate that prayer. <laughs> I cast that out. And, um, because I just wanted the easy way out. But, the, but when I gave my heart to Christ, it transformed. And I, the, so the semester before, I had taken American literature and my, I got an E the first semester, an E the second semester. And then for the exam, I got a D minus and he passed me because he just did not, he didn't want to see my face anymore. And so God bless Mr. Carney. He looked like Al Bundy from that great, great Christian show, Married with Children. Anyways. The next semester, I, I mean, my life is now transformed because of Christ. The next semester, I take Greek myth and I look on my sheet and it says, Mr. Carney. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an adventure. And when I walk in the room, he looks at me and has an audible. <sighs> and I'm like, this is going to be a long semester. But, but he, what he didn't know is I love Greek myth. I've always loved reading it and studying it. And I don't think you can get away with it nowadays, but he started asking biblical questions, trying to create correlations and links and things like that. And, and for him, class participation was a big deal. And the semester before in American Lit, I took what they call naps during class. And this time my hand is in the air. He's like, anybody know who, know who Abraham is? I'm like, hello. And then all of a sudden, like halfway through the year, people are like, are you gonna be a priest when you grow up? Is this why you know the scriptures? And I'm like, uh, not really, I wanna get married. So kind of, but no. And so, I learned so much in Greek myth, and there is a story out of Greek myth that I think really kind of brings us into what we're going to talk about today that I think is just a kind of a cool story. It's, a, it's about a, the city of Crete that had what was called a labyrinth. A labyrinth is like a maze, but it was something that human beings, it wasn't something you fill out in a paper or in a book. It was life-size. It was a huge thing, monstrous walls, and it was one big maze. And within the labyrinth would live a half man, half bull called a minotaur. And so what would happen is the, the Cretan king sent 
what he called tributes, seven boys, seven girls, into the maze as a sacrifice to the Minotaur. And so they would do that every single year. And so Athens was pretty concerned about this. And so in the third year of these type of things going on, Theseus came over from Athens and he wanted to go into the labyrinth and to deal with this thing. And what the Cretan king didn't expect is his daughter, the princess, fell in love with Theseus. And so before Theseus went into the labyrinth as the tribute to the Minotaur, she gave him two things. Number one, she gave him a sword. And secondly, she gave him a thread. Got some climbing rope here. She gave him a thread. Now the sword is important because the sword was meant to slay the, the minotaur. But the problem is, is if you kill the minotaur, you're still lost inside this labyrinth and you can end up dying of starvation because you're lost forever and you can't get out. And so she wanted to give him something to survive. And so the sword was important, but even more important was the ball of thread. And so what he did was he tied one end of the thread to the entrance, the place where he was supposed to begin. And then he went and navigated through everything that he needed to navigate to find that which he was going to face, care of it, but that thread that was clinging to him was that which led him back to the thing that would ultimately save him. I want to kind of paint a picture today that is going to help us understand how we as a human being, how we as a people of God are to live a culture of blessing. Because I am believing that the reason why so many of us, we don't see ourselves as a blessing or maybe consider ourselves as being a blessed people is because we have tied our thread to the wrong thing. We have tied ourselves to the wrong beginning. If you have your Bibles, go over to Genesis chapter one. First book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible. It's not hard to find. It's on page one. So uh, Genesis chapter one, it says here, verse number 26, and God said, let us, circle the word us, because that's highlighting the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're a church that believes in the Trinity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image God created him, male and female, he created them. I love the birth of marriage right here. Man and woman coming together. Beautiful, beautiful picture of God's design in marriage. And verse 28, God, what does it say? Blessed them. If you've never noticed that before, I need you to highlight that. I need you to circle that in your Bibles because that is what is so important. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And, and I say, hallelujah. If you don't know what that means, talk to your parents afterwards. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But that's verse 28 is so important. God blessed them. There's something that I've grown up hearing all of my life in church, all of my life from preachers. And when I went to Bible college, we, we, we had talks about it in theology. We heard about original sin. Do you know when original sin comes onto the picture? Genesis chapter three. When does this come into the picture? Genesis one. You know what it tells me? It tells me that something came before original sin. So before there was original sin, there was original blessing. This is important. Because so many of us, we are hooking ourselves, the beginning of our lives and the journey that we are on, we hook it to original sin. And we see ourselves as sinners first instead of seeing ourselves as blessed first. 
Because if we could see ourselves as blessed, it changes how we look at ourselves. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we look at other people. And more importantly, it changes how we view God. I need you to write something up because this is, this is ginormous. Blessing is God's default setting. Blessing is God's default setting. Some of you grew up and that, that you have hitched yourself so much up to original sin that you think that God's default is judgment. And because God's default is judgment, that we, well, boy, we, we have to have Jesus because of God's judgment. Listen, I believe we all have to have Jesus, but I wonder if it was motivated from the wrong angle. And we have grown ourselves up, hitching ourselves, not understanding that God's reflex to you is blessing. You know, in our marriage, my wife and I have been married coming up in 23 years, she has put up with me a total of 26 years. One time I had this great idea. I was gonna sneak up on her and scare her while she was putting things away in our walk-in closet in our first apartment. And I went up and scared her and she came, she turned around in fear with a fist. Hit me square in the chest. I'm like, that was a great shot. And I thought to myself, never scare her again because I know where her reflexes. Can I tell you this? God's reflex to you is not hatred. It is not a lightning bolt. It is not Thor's hammer. It is not distrust or distaste. He doesn't look at you and sneer. He looks at his response and his default is he wants to bless you. And now I know what some of y'all are thinking because some of you are already pinning out your emails to me and you've got your thumbs flying. Listen, I'm not saying that God blesses sin. I'm not saying that God blesses disobedience. Why doesn't God bless those things? Because he loves you too much to bless your sin. He loves you too much to bless disobedience. But I want you to understand that God desires to bless you. But the flip side is God never blesses you just to simply bless you. He blesses you to be a blessing. He blesses you. He fills you that you would be poured out to somebody else. And that's why this month we are establishing, we are to be a culture of blessing. I believe, you know, in, in this, if you go back and you look in the Bible and you hear of stories of blessings, you know, it, it has to be spoken first. I mean, all blessings come from God, but they're transferred through people. And so for me to develop that culture, um, you know, I want to be able to speak into my children's lives and to speak into my wife's life and our family. Um, so, you know, this is a daily thing where, you know, you're letting them know I love you. Um, you know, you're talented. Um, you're a blessing to be blessings. You're a blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing to other people. Um, so it's a constant reminder of how God has blessed me. Now I want to spread that to my children. And uh, so, and it's also being there. It's also not just being a blessing with your words, but then also with what you do. So uh, be there for your kids, uh, be there for your wife, be there for your family. And that might be just going to a game. You know, it could be going to a basketball game. It could be uh, helping them with their homework. It could be just taking some time to talk. Um, but you know, you, you share it through word and you show it in deed. And that's how we cultivate that uh, blessing in our family. I love that Jim uses that term transfer, that you and I are meant to be people who transfer. 
transition, give out the blessing that God has given into us. But we have to hook our thread to original blessing way before original sin. In fact, it was, uh, we can credit original sin, probably credit to someone by the name of Irenaeus who was from the second century. Um, The man who discipled Irenaeus was a man by the name of Polycarp, famous Christian um, um, martyr. Polycarp was said to be discipled. Get this, the guy who discipled Polycarp is the Apostle John. The Apostle John discipled by, well, Jesus. And so we got a guy who was discipled by the guy who was discipled by Jesus here. And so he kind of made kind of famous this idea of original sin. And then a couple centuries later, we've got a man by the name of Augustine who really began to kind of sit on this idea of original sin, but he began to talk about original sin and and have conversations about it, but, but with a lot less optimism about it. Flash forward a few more centuries and we get to reformers, amazing reformers, wonderful men like John Calvin and, and Martin Luther who really began to really emphasize the idea of original sin. But the problem is, is the more that they begin to sit upon original sin, it begin to overemphasize and overshadow original blessing. Now you're saying, well, pastor, don't you believe in original sin? I'm like, my response is this, I'm a parent. Of course I believe in it because I've raised two imperfect individuals and they were raised by imperfect individuals. We've got a family of four, a wonderful family of four, and we are proof of original sin. It's there. But as much as I know my kids are not perfect, I will tell you this, that my kids need to know first and foremost that they are blessings before they are sinners. That they are a place, a person, a human being of blessing before they are a human blessing of, that is known as a sinner. But because the problem is this, is if we hitch our wagon, first of all, as sinners first and then blessings, we begin to lose our identity. We have identity issues. In theology, there's something called the first principle. And it's the idea of the first time we see it in the scripture, the first time something is stated, the first time something is, is sat upon, gives us a great foundation and basis. And under Understand this, that if we think about the law of first and first principles in scripture, we don't go to first sin, first being sinners. We go and we recognize that we first are blessings. I wonder how that could really speak in the hearts this morning, that if we looked at our lives, not as pure wretches before God, but we can see that God has blessed us. He has called us blessed. We are his sons and daughters. And even though sin came into the picture, Even though sin has tried to manipulate the equation, even though sin came in to bring dysfunction, pain, and sickness, guess what? That God, we start off as blessing, but he didn't leave us in the state of sin because Jesus was sent to help bless us and to not just draw, get the sin out of our life, but actually to draw out of us that which we were always supposed to be a people that are blessed. Because even though original sin came in Genesis chapter three, can I tell you this? It never changed the fact that Genesis one happened, that we are blessed by God, that we all, we all, we all, no matter what nationality, no matter what skin color, no matter what economic background, we are all imago Dei. That is Latin for the image of God. Sin can enter the equation and it doesn't change that we are imago Dei. I mean, look at this. The earliest memory of humanity is that we are blessed. 
that we are, have been blessed by God. And I believe that it's more than just the thing that is our earliest memory. I believe it has been our deepest longing as human beings. I cannot tell you in 20, almost 24, 23 years of ministry, how many people that I have counseled that I'm telling you what, they had the status, they had the economics, they have the bank accounts, they've got titles, they've got, they've got everything that the world would call them as being blessed or being successful. But they are the same people that sit in my office that would say, pastor, I would give this away just to have my parents say, I am proud of you. Or to have a mother say, I am proud, I appreciate you. Or to have that father's pride that says, son, daughter, man, I can't believe what you've done with your life. That is so good. I've had people that live with this gap in their life because there is this human side of us that comes from Genesis 1 that longs to be blessed, that longs to be celebrated, longs to be accepted, longs to be loved by a earthly or a uh, mother or father, not recognizing that we've got that already from God. And we get moments like uh, Genesis chapter 27. Genesis 27, the background, we've got the story of Jacob and Esau. And the story is this, because Esau is the oldest. Esau is supposed to receive the full blessing of his father and a majority of the inheritance. And Jacob, the younger brother, tricks his brother and swindles his father into getting the blessing. And if you look at Genesis chapter 27, verse 38, you see one of the saddest, saddest verses in all of scripture. And he says this to his father, have you put one blessing? Have you just one blessing, my father? And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. And Isaac, his father answered to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be and away from the dew of the heaven and high. But by your sword you shall live and you will serve your brother. And when you grow restless, you shall break the yoke from your neck. And look at this last verse. Now Esau hated Jacob because the blessing from which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning my, of my, for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When we don't live in the blessing from the father, and we don't see or sense that blessing. There's a gap that is left within our souls. There is a woundedness for which we begin to get turmoil. We begin to get angry, envy, jealous. And out of this emptiness, we begin to live and to operate because we have hitched ourselves to a place that has, have a, it has a gap and something is missing. There's something longing from the edges of our humanity that longs to feed us. And if we sense that gap is there, we begin to search for it from other people. For some of you here, your family of origin does not feel like a blessing and it feels more like a curse. And because of that, it's maybe made it hard for you to receive from the Lord. But I'm here to tell you that even though you may have had a troubled or disconnected past with your earthly parents, God the Father is not them. And his default for you is absolute love and blessing. Let me make this really personal. I love my kids beyond almost anything in the world. And I'm gonna tell you this, I, I, all I've ever asked of my kids is this, I just, I just want you serving Jesus and follow Jesus and whatever God wants you to do, that's all I've ever asked. And, and, and cheer for Michigan and the Lions. That, that's it. That's all I've ever asked. And the reality is, is because they're humans, there will be moments where they may disappoint you because they're human beings. But my default for them, no matter what they choose in life, my default will never be disappointment or approval. My default will always be love. 
That's my default setting. You know what God's default setting? Romans spells it out so well in Romans chapter eight. It says this, Paul says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be ever, ever be able to separate us from the what? The love of God. First Corinthians chapter 13. This is such a beautiful passage. It says, now faith, hope, and love abide, the, uh, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Do you know why the greatest of these is love? Because faith and hope, when we get to heaven, will be so unnecessary. We don't need it anymore. But what remains is the default of God is he loves you. You see, folks, blessing is our first principle. Blessing is God's default setting. And because of that, blessing becomes our fallback position. Well, the first thing that I've learned is, you know, God has he wants to bless us all the time i mean that that's one of his number one things he wants to do and so we need to be aware of that and and every situation that we face you can find a blessing in that just like the pandemic you know i mean that that could it, it threw everybody off but when i reflect back on what's going on i can see where god has blessed me and my family in that situation. So even if you're, you know, at work or school or whatever you're dealing with, uh, when things happen, look for the blessing in it. That's one thing God has showed me. You know, there, there is a blessing in everything. You know, in His Word, He says He's working everything for our good. Well, you need to look for that. Mm. You need to look for that because whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, there's a blessing there, and you have to look for it. If you're not looking for it, if you're focused on what's going on, you'll probably miss it. So that's one thing God has been sharing with me about blessing. And then the other thing is, if you're not paying attention to being blessed by God, you can't be a blessing to other people. So we're being blessed so we can be a blessing. And, uh, you know, that just goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Recognize the blessing and then make yourself available to be a blessing to other people. And so those are really the two main things that uh, he's shared with me. And I, I can reflect back on my life and see that, uh, you know, number one, it started with my family, but I could see how, I mean, I won't name names because there's so many people that I would probably forget if I name names, but well, I could sit down and list hundreds, if not thousands of people who've actually impacted my life and been a blessing in my life. And so that's what I want to do. I mean, I want, I want to be a blessing because people have blessed me, but it all comes from God. Awesome. God, I love what Jim said. God is looking to bless. And I tie that thread back to the original, the, the way that God created us. He created us to be blessings. And his blessing was resting upon us. I need a keyboard to come out, so I'll shut up here. So as we wrap up here, blessing. What is blessing? What, what, what is blessing not? Uh, if you're taking notes, let me just give you a few things. What is blessing not? Blessing is not good luck. We're not here to say that God is going to bless you with good luck. So you can leave here, go buy some scratchers, or uh, get some, put your lottery numbers out there. And you're like, well, that's, I want God to bless me with just good luck to do that. Um, if you think that's just what blessing is all about, you need to listen to the great theologian, the notorious B.I.G., who said, mo' money, mo' problems. God's desire is not just to give us luck in life. He wants to, 
Let us rest in his blessing that we would become that blessing. I love what Mark Batterson says. God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. Because if all blessing is to get, 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 I promise you that blessing will become a curse. Because that's now what we, we will no longer serve God who blesses us. We now serve the actual blessing itself and that becomes our idol. Because when assets become liabilities, they become that way when we don't use them for God's glory. Number two, blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Oh my Lord, I wish I should start listening to prosperity preachers right now. Um, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna get a lot of people just very frustrated or wondering who they are. Um, it's not just health, wealth, and prosperity. We devalue the blessing of God when we reduce it to just material things. I'm gonna give a shout out to one of my best friends. His name is Pastor Christopher, Christopher Swims. He pastors down in Carbondale, Illinois. He has been a true friend for years. And before, I mean, he crushed me this morning because he gave me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share the text he sent because I know the dude's watching. I don't wanna bless him this morning. I have been facing, just feeling a lot of discouragement. And this morning he says this, just like God went before Moses and Joshua, he goes before David Berenger. I love you and I'm rooting for you. He didn't know what I needed this morning. But we can't reduce blessing to just material stuff. But what is blessing? It's the weight of the favor of God. God with us, God for us, God in us. Number three, blessing doesn't equal no problems. Why? Because that's impossible. Blessing doesn't equal no problems. John chapter 16, verse 33, the message paraphrase says it so well. Jesus says, do you finally believe? In fact, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me, but I'm not abandoning you. The Father's with me. And as I've told you all of this, uh, that trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience what? Difficulties. But take heart. I've conquered the world. You know what he's saying? You're gonna experience stuff. Hook your thread to me. Hook your thread and you're gonna find your way out. You see, the circumstances that you may wanna change. We said this about a month or so ago and I wanted to make sure this sat, this sat down deep in your spirit. The circumstances that you may wanna change may be the very circumstances God is wanting to use to change you. That's what Jim was talking about. He says, even during this season, that this season could actually, be, could actually be the catalyst to bless us and to change us. Some of you have been praying for breakthrough, but let me give you a word this morning. You can't have breakthrough without breaking through something which means you're going to have something to face. And number four, and lastly, blessings are not meant to elevate us, but to glorify Jesus. They're not meant to elevate us, but to glorify Jesus. You've heard Jim say it, and you've heard me say it, because God always gives blessings so that we can be a blessing. You know, I can see the opportunity. I can feel, I can sense the opportunity. It's really is not like it's concealed. And then I just have to be, you know, I have to, I have to surrender to it. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of times, most times it's easier than others. 
And it's those times where I've, I'm kind of holding back. It's those times where I'm kind of saying, yeah, this may be a good pass. It may be a hard pass for me. And I, you know, nope, let's take it on. Let's do it. Let's, when I surrender to it, those are the ones I believe have been the most impactful. Because there are always the things you like to do. You know, I mean, there's, there's the things you like to do and things you want to do. It's like, oh, that'd be so much fun. You think, I'm doing it because of the fun of it. Yes, but there's other things you think, that yeah, is going to be a tough one. And I'm going to, it's going to really take a lot out of me. And those have been the ones that have been at least the most impactful to myself anyway. And so I would say the advice would be that when you give, I guess my dad told me this once. You know, you're going to have people along the way that are going to be needing of things, right? And if you give someone something, you're never expecting anything back. You're giving because you want to do, you, you've chosen to do good. You, you've chosen to provide that for them. I don't, he said, I don't care if it's money. I don't care if it's whatever it is, right? You do it without expecting anything back and you will always be blessed from that. And um, I would say that's definitely true. I love what Bill says, you have to see it and you have to surrender to it. God has made you a blessing to be a blessing and for us to be a blessing that we have to be able to move in the identity that we are originally blessed and look at every opportunity as the opportunity to bless. Mark 14, and I wrap up with this. Follow the thread. This woman, if you read the story of this woman actually presented by the Gospel of John, we read that previous in the, cha the previous chapter, her brother was raised from the dead. And so out of this, she walks into a situation for which it didn't fit the time to kind of walk in and to present what she presented. In the earthly, it didn't really fit the time, but she surrendered to a moment, as Bill would say. And she walks into the room and she anoints Jesus. And look at what the people say. Verse number five, this ointment could have been sold and then given that money to the poor. Luke chapter seven shares this story and this is what other people said. If this man, if Jesus were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Can I tell you what these people, these naysayers were doing in this room is they had linked her up to original sin. They can only see her for the sin and the things that did not, they didn't like in her. That's what they linked up to her. That was the thread they tied around her foot all the way back to whatever past that she had. But I love Jesus' words. And I say this in the name of Jesus over any one of you that are battling with what people have spoken over your life that won't let go of your shame, your mistakes, your brokenness. I say this in the words of Jesus, verse six, leave her alone. Matthew 26, Jesus says, aware of what they're saying, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done something, look at that word, that is a key word, beautiful. In all four gospels, this is the only moment that Jesus calls beautiful. Four gospels, the only time. 
He says what she has done, she has received blessing and she is outpouring blessing. And that, my friends, is beautiful. When we walk in a culture of blessing and we operate in a culture of blessing, whether we're giving our tithe or our offerings, giving up our time, our abilities, we look for somebody in need and without giving our name or doing a selfie with them to show people what we've done, when we just simply give in order to bless, we become a place of Mark chapter 14 where Jesus says, that is beautiful to me. You see, when you understand how God created you to be, you understand the calling you possess. Pastor Dave, what's my calling in life? Is to be a beautiful blessing. Your calling is to be a blessing. Well, Pastor Dave, I'm talking about my calling of my life. I'm talking about the calling of your life because when you start caring about what God cares about, you start knowing what God's trying to do in your life. When you start caring about the least of these, you start knowing what God's going to do. You know, so many of us pray for revival and I want revival, but revival is not when services get longer and services get louder. Revival happens is when the body of Christ, the blessed people of Christ, when we hitch ourselves up to blessing and we go out and we leave a trail of blessing behind us that nobody can trace to us. They just trace right back to who Jesus is. It's a culture of blessing. And so my challenge, I wrote down the word, the, just the simple letters B3 in my notes. It's been in my notes all week. It sounds like something from Battleship. But my challenge, my next steps for you this whole month is this, is B3, find three people to bless. Find somebody from your church family to bless. We've got people that are, they just feel alone. People that just feel like nobody cares. We have people that are just like, does anybody notice that I haven't been around? I'm, I, I, I'm concerned about leaving the home. If you need someone to call, you call us. We'll give you people to call to encourage. Find someone from your church family to bless. Find somebody not connected to the church family at all to bless. And the third one, pick a category and bless that person. Be three this whole month. What if we as the body of Christ just found three people we can bless? Maybe you're watching at home and, and maybe you don't leave us. Find three people to write notes to. Three people to write letters to. Three people that you can text every single week. Three people that you can call and encourage. What if we were to shift a culture of pessimism? Uh, pessimism? What if we were to, to get rid of that, um, that egregious spirit that can see nothing good happening in the world around us? What if we could chase away that, that I believe that satanic spirit of cynicism that wants to ruin the joy of the Lord in our hearts? What if we were to stop hitching our wagon to all of that and begin to link our thread all the way back to we are a blessing from the beginning of time and we're called to be a blessing. Bow your heads with me, I gotta wrap up.